Hi guys, on this show we're looking at Lister, James, Perry, Holm, Tucker, Holman, Djordjevic and Willis. We're looking at 1997's The Fifth Element. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of 100 Things We've Learned From Film. I'm one of your hosts, my name's Planty, and Aziz Light! Uh, and I'm the other guy and I'm landed with us, prick. I'm John. <laughs> John, how are you? I'm alright buddy, it's, uh, it's raining cats and dogs but it's still close here in Scotland. It's still very, hot, very, H-O-A-T, hot. hot. It's, it's a hot, hot heat. <laughs> Isn't it? So it's a wet heat. It's wet, right. it's wet. <laughs> Uh, we have got a super smashing guest, uh, the fantastic Gadget uh, from Modern Escapism. Uh, Gadget, how are you, mate? I am absolutely marvellous. Thank you for having me on for this one. No, I'm so, so glad that you bought this film for us. Do you want to tell the lovely people at home who haven't read the show notes when they clicked on listening to this what we're going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about one of my favourite films from when I was a kid. This is uh, 1997's The Fifth Element. Oh, it's potentially, a good... Potentially Luke Besson's last good film. Uh, no, agreed. Uh, yeah, well, it's funny because I've written down here last such and such's last good film, and it wasn't Besant actually, uh, as as the English call it, Besant, um, Luke Besant. Um, it was uh, it's somebody else, but we'll we'll come to that. John, what uh, what else could we have been talking about? Well, if they if they want to know what films were out in nineteen eighty seven, they just need to listen to Cornell. One of our fav- oh, my favourite episodes. Yeah. That is yeah. one of your favourites. This is a good one, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a classic. I think it's one of the first ones we got 100 on, and you nearly shat yourself out of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> it was Possibly the most 1997 film ever made. Oh, oh absolutely, God, yeah. yeah. You couldn't yeah, make yeah. that film any time after the millennium. No. Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> no. <laughs> you certainly couldn't make it after, after I don't know, uh, 21st of uh, September 2011? Yeah, 2001, yeah. sorry, arguably, question mark. 11th uh, September. Yeah. The 11th of September, I don't fucking know. How am I meant to remember? I thought, it, I, for years and years, I thought, why are we supposed to remember the 9th of November? What the fuck is the point <laughs> of the 9th of November? But it turns out they mean the 11th of the 9th because they're American. <laughs> Jesus. Well, this is a to start off with, didn't this? <laughs> I mean, it always does. It always does. And I haven't even called any Tories cunts yet. Uh, right, Gadget, where, where would the... Uh, tell us a little bit about your podcasts, like we don't know from when Stig was here two weeks ago. I was going to say, yeah, I'll just give you a quick refresher on that. So Modern Escapism is a weekly nerd culture show where we talk about anything that isn't the news or politics. That's generally the, the, the brief on it. Although at one point I did talk about politics once and I collapsed the government, so I was quite happy with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, we talk about everything, video games, TV, films, books, uh, music. We're doing music month at the minute where we're talking mm. about all the musicy things. And literally right after I finish this recording, I'm going off to record our 100th episode because we've been doing this for about two years now. Jesus. Jesus. And we should be on 100 by now, but John had about eight weeks off to learn a new job. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad, to, you, no, you should feel bad. I'm, I've just booked a holiday in October. so <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, we're, we're, we're going to take a little while longer to get to our revisit of The Crow on episode 100. <laughs> by the time we oh. get to it, they'll, they'll do the reboot. By the time we get to it, it won't be on Netflix anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you can always pick up the DVD for 99 pence. Or I did pick up oh, the DVD yeah. uh, for 99 pence from CX. And if you listen to the first episode we did, which is a 
fucking travesty. It shouldn't even be released. Oh, it was, I did. I was laughing um, way through it. it was unedited. I, I talked, to, talked about the fun of picking up a DVD at CEX. Fucking stank. Anyway, uh, yeah, go and listen to Gadget Shows, uh, Modern Escapism, and Do Dragons Dream of Scorched Sheep. Oh, yes, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the DM for a D&D podcast. If you like D&D, come and listen to D&D. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's great fun. And Gadget has also done some D&D stuff with us, which I really need to get my ass into gear you and edit. You do need to get can, that edited. That can be released people need to hear it. <laughs> the people will hear it. I just need to sort my sort the fucking life out. Uh, yes, sort it so, out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fucking go- life out, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear that every day. Stop it. That's um, one of my most yeah. common voices in D anD D. Incidentally, <laughs> yes, if it's it a god, he's a fucking cockney. <laughs> <laughs> yes, god, this is this is this is already. This is probably going to take us up to that nine o'clock when you're meant to be recording. Uh, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, of course, for, if you listen regularly, you know we watch this film in the comfort of our own homes. We try to come up with a hundred things between us that we have learned from the film. Gentlemen, jump in whenever you're ready with some things. But I am going to start with a couple of little factlers. Uh, the budget for this one uh, was ninety million US dollars. It made a box office of two hundred and sixty-three point nine million dollars. Not so bad. It's also, it also the most expensive French film ever made up to that. Oh point. right! Oh, fantastic! That's and in fact, on a budget of 80, 80 or ninety million dollars, it was more expensive than a lot of science fiction films had ever been. Yeah, and it, it still looks great. Than Independence Day. Oh yeah, still holds uh, up. And I would argue it looks better than Independence Day today. Well, most of it. There's a ca- there's a cartoon car bit which I wasn't into, but other than that, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a Luke Besson film. Now, I'm going to get this out of the way. I've written here on my notes, cover the fact that Luke Besson is a massive cunt straight away. Okay. Um, So there's there's loads of stuff online, and I've boiled it down to facts, things that are proven, right? Right. So I'm not talking about a couple of rape cases, but, you know, (laughs) let's just just take an assumption that that he did That's the level that we're starting at. Yeah. So (laughs) the lassie that plays the diva uh, is an actress called Mai Wen. She met Luke Besson when she was 12 and he was 29. Ooh. Ooh. <sighs> Wasn't she fiancé when this film was made? Yeah, they began dating uh, when she was 15. Oh, wow. no. Nah, 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 nah. In wow. January 1993, at the age of 16, she gave birth to Yay. their daughter, Shanna. Oh, no. Bloody hell. <laughs> no, that. No, that. No. No. Uh, and on the DVD extras for the 1994 film, Leon the Professional, previous episode, John. Yep, uh, loved it. She said the film is based on her relationship with Luke Besson. Oh, oh man. Nah, yeah. nah, 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 was she posh and has plant as well? She was 20 at the beginning of the filming of this. I mean, that woman, the diva, is tw- is, is played by an actress who's 20. She had some fucking paper round, but I guess she had been married to this guy for four years. Um, uh, the beginning of the filming, 1996, for this film, Besson left her for Mila Jovovich. Yeah, I knew yeah. that bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, relationships are funny, aren't they? 
but they're pretty fucking sick if you're a, if you're a paedophile, as far as I'm concerned. That is, yeah. you know, that that is up there with what is it with European directors, ladies and gentlemen? It's <laughs> a hell of a run on sentence. So relationships are tricky, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> should try this, guys. <laughs> relationships are tough, y'all. But <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy, yeah. Anyway, um, enough of that. Um, there's this spaceship. Uh, traveling to Earth um, that we see. And on Earth, there's this child on a donkey approaches a cave, and the title says Egypt, 1914. Yep. The child heads inside the cave, which is basically some sort of palace where there's a scholar trying to understand these hieroglyphs. It says when the three planets align, the ultimate evil is released. There's a young scholar who's drawing. Uh, who was this gadget? It was This was Luke Perry. Uh, Luke Perry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. R.I.P. R- oh, R.I.P. I'd forgot he died. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last last film for Luke Perry, gentlemen. Do you remember? No, no. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, really? What a good last film. Wow. Yeah, oh, he's playing the bad guy in the cowboy show that um, DiCaprio's characters in. Because I know the last thing he did was Riverdale, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Ooh, okay. That's was, not such was, a good last thing. <laughs> he, was, he, he, he was the hunky teacher in that. All right. Okay. I do have a 1914 set of facts. Oh, excellent. Ooh. Because, Ooh. because I had it on my list to do and missed it. Go for it. Well, because because we're, we're talking about archaeology here in Egypt in 1914. So I found uh, notable excav- excavations in 1914. To start with, George Herbert, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon, and Howard Carter first excavated the Valley of Kings in Egypt. Oh, that pair. That pair. Where this is supposed to be. (laughs) They're everywhere, aren't they? (laughs) Everywhere. Other notable excavations in 1914 included Catherine Rutledge commences excavation at key Easter Island sites. Um, Hiram Hiram Bingham III, which is a name, uh, resumes excavations around Machu Picchu in Peru. Uh, you like this one, John? Excavations begin at Traprain Law in Scotland. Yep, you got it on it. You're stealing all my facts, big man. You're stealing all my facts. <laughs> and excavations of the Tinkinswood Neolithic Megalithic Chamber Tomb in South Wales started. Oof, that's right. me- megalithic right there. It's Neolithic and megalithic. It's grease lightning. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, there's this there's this kid uh, who's in charge of keeping the place lit, and I know I did it at the start, but I love Aziz light. I <laughs> I do Aziz light every time it's dark in a room. Yeah. I don't know anybody else, and, and have I, done I, it for pretty much thirty years. And I just I just love Luke Perry, who's supposed to be documenting what the professor's doing, but he's just got like a tally chart of Aziz lights. <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> I think it's like twenty six or something that he's got down there. Uh, well spotted. Um, Further reading of the hieroglyphs, the professor spots that one of these characters is called the Fifth Element. Hey, Yay. You say the titles, yeah, wins the film. That's it. Okay, grab yourself a fish. <laughs> um, there's a priest now uh, who, who who looks like an evil priest. Oh he? yeah, <laughs> this guy he's, comes yeah. In he's, 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 he's got an opening scene Jafar look about him, doesn't he? Yeah, he's straight <laughs> with the mummy, isn't he? As soon as he's like, man, that's a bad man for the mummy. <laughs> I did. Ex- I, you're right, Gadget. I did expect him at some point to go diamond in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, he comes in and he's basically said they know too much. I don't know who he's talking to. Uh, he puts some poison in their water, um, and they do a toast. But your, your man, the professor, says no, no, no. If we're toasting, it should be wine that throws the water out. Yeah. Um, they go and get this 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 grappa 
And at that moment, the temple goes dark. Uh, this huge spaceship lands. Uh, Aziz, light! And the lights come up for the spaceship. Thank you, Aziz. <laughs> I, I, I love that gag. It's such a good, good symbol <laughs> gag. Do you know what, you know what Grappa is? Uh, I do not know. So uh, Grappa is an alcoholic beverage based on... Uh, it's about, according to Wikipedia, it's 35 to 60% alcohol by volume, so it's strong as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically it's a it's a side product of making wine. So it's made by distilling the skins, pulp, seeds, and stems of grapes after they've been pressed for wine making. Yeah, oh. a distillation of grape skin. That's what I've got. Yep. Still think... stealing my facts. Why is this guy on here? That's what he does. He's, he's hit if, replace if, you, John. Comes here, steals my lines. <laughs> if you want to buy some grappa in this country, uh, the only place I can find is either Amazon or Waitrose. You can get Poggio Grappa from Waitrose for £17.50 a bottle. Oof, 70 okay. CLs. Uh, he- Hexen bound I am then. Indeed. <laughs> for the nearest Waitrose. Uh, you need to go back down to yours, Plenty. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got that nice Waitrose near you. Yeah, yeah. You bunch of posh bastards. I've still got that uh, plastic bag about for six quid. A bag for life. <laughs> that thing's no leaving my sight. It will, it will last you for life, that's for sure. You take the boy out of Glasgow, eh? Oh, no half. <laughs> so these huge robotic creatures enter. And they basically look like that massive golden clockwork man out of Return to Oz, TikTok. The dude, yeah. yeah. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, the, again, another great flow, throwaway line is, oh, uh, uh, are you German? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's great, but it's probably a little bit, oh, it's very tiny. Oh. Well, no, no, I, I, I think it makes sense in context because the because this section is set just before the First World War. Yes, yeah. Um, because cause that's their whole line, war is coming. And you know yeah. they're, they're they're coming down here, and it's um, the, the idea is he doesn't know what they are, so they must be Germans coming to fuck him up because they look they, they do, <laughs> they look German. looking a bit silly. They also do kind of look like soldiers. They, they do look a little bit like soldiers. I think they also look like, hey Homer, you look different. Have you had a haircut or something? <laughs> look closer, Lenny. Oh yeah, you're a hundred feet tall and made entirely of gold. <laughs> <laughs> They do. Ooh, that's a deep that. cut, even by your standards. I like it. Hang on. Um, they explained that the priests have served them well, but war is coming, as Gadget told us, um, and that the stones are no longer safe on Earth. He uses this key that comes out of his index finger. I wish I could fucking do that. I'm always losing my keys. Uh, and one of the robots opens the wall, and they walk into this massive kind of sarcophagus, and there's some stones. The priest explains they cannot take the weapon. If they take the weapon, we'll be powerless. And the creature says, in 300 years, when evil returns, so shall we. And as they're kind of shuffling out, bomb, 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 like that, Billy pulls a gun on them, which I kind of liked. Uh, did you catch the gun, John? No, no, I didn't. Uh, luckily for you, I did. It looks German, no. It is. It's a German Mauser M7, like M7 uh, Schnellfauer. Um, it looks the part for 1914, but I gotta tell you, the Schnellfauer Schnellfauer was produced in the early 1930s for the first oh, time. The oh, the light is again. Are we to believe, Gadget, that this is some kind of time traveling gun? I hope someone got <laughs> fired for that blunder. There he, is. there he is. There he is. That's why we invited him on. Also, uh, <laughs> also, if I don't know guns particularly well, but if I'm right in thinking, I don't think the Mauser was a rapid fire gun because he pulls the trigger and he like he sets off a burst of shots. <laughs> he does. I think it was yeah. a single shot pistol. Uh, the only real gun in this film. Yes. All the other, all the other guns yeah. are, are kind of like 
like bastardizations of real guns or you know ideas from real guns but no, to be fair that's why i didn't look up guns or cars because they were all made up <laughs> oh, you didn't look up the uh flying police car jesus no. john you've you've only let yourself down there if we get to 99 things i mean if we get to 99 things i'll give you the money myself oh what john money? I, what I, money I. um so <laughs> they uh they all start to leave. Billy pulls this gun and starts shooting at the one remaining creature who gets trapped inside. And the priest's like upset like he's just lost his mother or something. It's yeah. kind of like, he's going to be all right. And actually, he could probably batter his way out if he needed to. Um, but he st- sticks his hand out and he's got the gun. Uh, he's got the key in his <laughs> finger. Um, and the police collects it and the ship leaves. The ship still looks brilliant, by the way. Yeah, I, I think I the ship is something looks fantastic. Well, yeah. in fact, I, th- I, th- I think all the model work in this film looks great. Mm-hmm. And I do have yeah. a fact about the model work later on. Oh, but, please! Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put okay. it later on where it's more relevant. But the um, uh, yeah, I, I love all the model work in this. The, the one thing, and it's, ever since I first seen the film when I was a kid, um, after this, after the section, so the the, the Montecchiwin guy, uh, the alien, kills the professor. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Luke Perry shoots him. Uh, da, 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 ship leaves. What happens to Luke Perry? He's just seen aliens. They just <laughs> fucked some shit up for him. Well, has he not gone around the world telling people that I saw some fucking aliens? Yeah, I, I guess so. But there's there's drawings later on, isn't there? There's there's kind of drawings, and I assume that those are his drawings. Uh, later yeah, in the maybe. film, we see lots of drawings of them. Uh, maybe he gets so possibly- taken into the into the priests kind of. Yeah, clergy, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, or maybe the priest just fucking poisons him because you know maybe. he's got form. So he's, he does have form. Yeah. I, can, I mean, to be fair, I could see that priest kill, killing all the Egyptian kids around. Well, I could. I mean, he's a priest. He's a priest. He's a priest. He's likely to fuck them before he kills them. I, I, I can see him. He can kill all the younglings. <laughs> oh, Jesus. oh no, that's the saddest thing anyone has said yet. Incidentally, I do. I do think when you guys reach some kind of milestone, you need to do just one big episode on the Star Wars prequel trilogy. We just we can't. I can't do it. I promise. I promise. We full on hate watch. You get drunk and you just rant about it. But I, I've said this a number of times now. I I think I'm becoming a Phantom Menace apologist. I mean, I've always said it's Phantom Menace has problems, but it's not terrible. Jar Jar Binks it, it does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the badness, <laughs> but it conceptually it's fine. Attack of mm. the Clones might be the worst thing I've ever watched, mm, and yeah, I watched I watched the room sober. Yeah. Well, you've 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 not watched um, New Year's Eve like we did, and the Master oh, of Disguise like we did. No, we've taken the big hits. Yeah, well, it turns out we are. <laughs> I know. Well, I've, I've, I've blanked him out. I blanked him out, and now they're coming back to me. <laughs> Although, whatever it was you you watched this week, uh, plenty on um, on Hallmark of Greatness. Uh huh. That. Bond that that oh, Terror Circus, Terror Circus. That was yeah. a, that sounded fucking hilariously T- bad. Terror <laughs> Circus is not even a film. <laughs> uh, yeah, so have a look at Hallmark Greatness um, uh, After Dark, and it is, it's atrocious. It really is. It just wants to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre without actually massacring anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, I do have a relevant fact for this point in the film as well. Please. So um, Luke Perry was in the opening credit crawl, um, but he's only in the film for nine minutes. Yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I've I've got a few actors who have high up credits, but um, yeah. very short for very short performances. So starting off with probably the most obvious one everyone knows, Drew Barrymore in Scream. 
Uh-huh. All the marketing was around her. She was in most of the trailers. She was killed off in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. He's only on screen for seven minutes of the film. Wow. And at no point does he say bitch until like the fourth film. No. <laughs> it's almost like the first film was a good film and then they didn't need to make any more. Yeah. <laughs> um, Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love as Queen Elizabeth. She was on screen for eight minutes and won Best Supporting Actress yeah. Oscar for it. Uh, astonishing. Like, e- e- even she said, I don't feel like I've earned this. <laughs> you had her acceptance speech, because it's like, it's the shortest amount of time to win an Oscar. Oh, she wow, that's a great boy. fact. She should have um, won one for Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> uh, and, and, and the last one I've got, again, another, another actress who was heavily in the marketing. Um... Zendaya playing Charney in Dune, twenty twenty one. She was only on screen for seven minutes of the film. All right. So all those like flashbacks of of, of uh, those kind of hallucinations of Paul Atreides, all those kind of visions of her, and then the scene which she's actually in at the end, seven minutes in total. Jesus, there, there's more sandworms than there is Zendaya in that film. There actually is. <laughs> wow. But she, but she was so high up on the marketing, and she's like, you know, she's one of the big heads on the poster. Because no, of yeah. her importance, I think she got paid quite a lot for that as well. But she is quite fit, so you know, yeah. you know that's that's Hollywood, isn't it? That's, that's, that's how that works. That's what they do. Don't let Luke Besson anywhere near her, please. Uh, oh no, please uh, God, I don't know. You'll get so, a Roman Polanski. <laughs> she is twenty-five at this point. She's uh, old. Too old. She's yeah, too, she's too, too old for Besson. <laughs> You're getting sued. She was only <laughs> 24 years old. Um, yeah. So it's now 300 years later on a spaceship which looks a little bit like an Imperial Star Destroyer. But I it's guess there's only. Different. It's legally yeah. different. It doesn't have the point. Yeah. <laughs> there can only be X number of Starship designs before you start ripping people off. <laughs> what can you do with that? Exactly. I like, I like to, I like to think in the concept art that the, the model makes just like so. Think about an Imperial Star Destroyer, but like not a triangle shape. I've got you, oblong shape. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> They've just bought like an airfix kit and just made it out of that. <laughs> um, on the ship uh, is a member of the Earth space. Oh, the ship's a member of the Earth Space Force. Um, they're taking directions from Earth with the always brilliant Tiny Lister. Who's the president? Randomly, is it Devo? Devo, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. By the way, lost him. I, I think we lost him during lockdowns. I think we lost. Yeah, him I think he died of COVID. Yeah, fuck, that's bad news. Um, they've spotted this anomaly. There's this. There's this thing growing. It's a planet or whatever. Uh, there's a priest in the room with the president, uh, Cornelius, uh, the always brilliant Ian Holm. Again, R.I.P. R.I.P. Also, yeah, again, no. little bit of a bastard. Uh, yeah, oh, Ian Holm was he a bastard? Was he He's not very nice to women? Oh no! Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Oh fuck he... that guy! I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I don't think he was as bad as Besson, but yeah, I think he, there's a kind of long track record of him not being very nice to women. He just when he let go of that ring, would he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? Why shouldn't he sexually abuse women? <laughs> <laughs> my precious. Oh my god. <laughs> This is the one I we thought, thought, I thought. I thought Biggie was bad for luring it to. Jesus Christ! We, 
We <laughs> thought we were going to get cancelled last week for the gentleman. This yeah, is this week. For this one. It's this uh, week, that's, isn't that's, it? This is a one, isn't it? Uh, regular guest spot on Modern Escapism, please catch it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I assume he just wanted to take a specimen back to the. Uh, uh, to the company, didn't he? Again, you know, absolutely. It's, it's it's exactly what he did in Alien. So why not in this? Um, yeah. So he explains the anomaly we've discovered is evil. It's just evil. Now, actually, if I act, actually, if I'm going to pick up a point on this, this is the most fucking stupid bit of the film, right? No, I fully this agree. Evil planet thing. <laughs> yeah. And do you, do you know do you know why this doesn't make sense? It's a planet. Phone call. Well, apart from that, the the story was conceived as a trilogy. Okay. But Besson could only get the funding for a single film, so he, he basically squished the three stories together. Oh, and there's really? a lot of lore about what this ancient evil is yeah. that had to be basically cut out of the script to make it a two-hour-long film. Right, okay. Wow. So he, he'd, he'd, he'd basically written them as books and then converted themselves into three screenplays and then smashed it all smashed down to once. That's why the... That's why the film, unlike a lot of other films, has a really distinct three-part structure. Yeah, yeah. because, yeah, it really because does. all three sections are from different, effectively different scripts. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes so. That makes so much sense. So much sense. Wow. Okay. But yeah, I, 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 I've all, despite how much I love this film, I have always thought the the concept of yes, this thing is just pure evil, and it's here. That's yeah. just like ah, give us a bit more. Just need yeah. a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. More. Just, just another five, ten minutes will do. Yeah. Just a bit of explanation. But <laughs> yeah. I do like, and this is a, a random fact. Um, I don't know. It's not a, one of the kind of extended facts that you can relate back to this, but it's a film fact. When the president says to Cornelius, you have 20 seconds, Ian Holm speaks for exactly 20 seconds. Oh, right. Wow. I love a bit of real time kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that's great because fil- films don't do that. <laughs> but apparently you work, you work, because he had the script, he had the amount of words he had to say. And right. that was one of the one of the things Ian Holm worked on the most was get timing that to, to get the right seconds. cadence to get it exactly twenty seconds. Man. Oh, fantastic. So so glad he didn't work on twenty four. But they were there all bloody week watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it, just well he didn't star in 127 hours then, because <laughs> that would have been a much more boring film. <laughs> well, you hear his son of bone for a bit. <laughs> Hundred hours. Ow! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh! 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 That bit nips. Oh! Ah! Oh! It's in the bone. <laughs> the, he explains shooting it will only make it stronger, but because he's the president, an American, we're just going to explode it. That's what we're going to yeah. do. Yeah, I, I, it's almost I, I, like they didn't listen to Independence Day. Well, I, I do quite like the fact that the president does actually listen to him because he says to the general, I have doubts. And it's the general that goes, I don't. And then you just see three missiles fire. <laughs> so like, you do, actually. The, yeah. general, the general gets his. The general <laughs> yeah. gets uh, it, gets eaten. And I, I do love the edit in this film because it's almost like it's kind of like the proto-Edgar um, Wright-style editing with these smash cuts between things to back yeah. up sentences. Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple of moments later on which I absolutely fucking love. The ship gets eaten by this fiery burst. There's a skull, and then we see Bruce Willis wake up. Corbin Dallas, right? <laughs> I just want to see multi pass every time you do that. <laughs> Gosh, Corbin Dallas. <laughs> so, Bruce Willis, gentlemen, as as we're on as we're on the subject, yeah, is this Bruce Willis's last great role? 
Oh, the traffic is memory done. You done right, Die Hard Five, didn't you? And that was right, didn't you? <laughs> Die Hard Four and Five were absolutely yeah. right. Um, I did like him in Looper. Uh, oh yeah, Looper's okay. And, yeah, and yeah. I thought he was really good in Red, but I don't know if that's because he was like elevated by the cast around him. I think I think Red's a piece of shit, but I have seen it so many times. I think it's one of those I've seen so many times. Personally, and I, I did look this up, I think he's 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 great. His last really really great role is Rugrats Go Wild, of course. Uh, <laughs> was, <laughs> no, uh, I think he's he's the the, the dog. He might be the dog in that. No, if we're going there, we're going to need to go to look who's talking to. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, it's um, the Sixth Sense, of course. Sixth Sense. Brilliant, Stop. the Sixth Sense. Had no right. idea. Didn't see it coming. L- left the cinema with my fucking head in my hands. It Just that, that the twist, which nice. I'd love to sit and watch that like I have with so many people watch the original Old Boy and just watch them for the last 15 minutes. God, yeah. That that's the that's one of the best cinematic moments in my life is watching people watch Old Boy. Oh wait, hang on. No, I got. I do have one better. Um, cool. Hardigan in Sin City. Oh, oh God, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Two thousand five. Yeah. We okay. Dicky, Dicky, Dicker. Yeah, yeah, we can we can go with that. Yeah, we'll not we'll, we'll not talk about like the year before where he did the whole ten yards, which was dreadful. Oh God, look, Gary. Uh, oh, Matthew Perry. Perry. Oh, Matthew uh, Perry. To start, I love Corbin Dallas's tiny little apartment, right? Yes, yes. Which probably just as well because it's where it's all going under the current Conservative government. <laughs> Funnily enough, I looked a fact out about that, and it's only that I can't. I can't. I, I'm not going to name names here, but I can't. Somebody, one of the smallest houses in the world, is 188 square feet, and it costs 275 thousand pounds, and it's somewhere in London uh, near Islington. So. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh, it's just because I was expecting it to be somewhere in bloody Japan or something. I know the one you mean. It's that really narrow house. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen seen that. The narrowest house in London. Yeah, Yeah, it's tiny. 108 square feet. I have have, have just Googled smallest flat in London. Um, And there is one smaller. Ooh. Um, This one is 75 square feet in Clapton. Uh, boasts, only boasts a single bed storage and a microwave. Is it a house? A, oh, no, I've seen this. Flat. It went up for auction and was pulled. I saw this. Um, no, it's, the... no it's, it's sold for 90 grand. 90 grand of what? all things. What? The BBC article says, this bijou dwelling is an example of what campaigners say is a growing phenomenon of micro-homes driven by high rent and property prices. Fuck off. It's people people it's squeezing greed. every last it's penny out of London property. Yeah. That's that. Yeah, that it, it's the same one. I'm looking at it on the Guardian website. It is the same one. That's disgusting. That is <laughs> terrible, that is rotten. Yeah, wake wake up, reach down to your microwave, put your breakfast burrito in, close it, and then eat. Uh, fuck it. Oh, uh, this fucking country. Like if if, uh, if 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 you had a room that small in like a rental rental like a holiday rental, you'd think, ah, oh, no, this is a bit much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. That is that's disgusting. He's giving up smoking. This quit smoking cigarette dispenser is pretty good. It's all like filter it. and no tab, though, isn't it? That's all the cigarettes in the film, though. Every everyone who smokes has these ones. Yeah. It's like an ultra long filter. Yeah, but I, I I do like this machine where it's just like, uh, was it my goal is to quit, and it's like drops down four cigarettes for the day. Yeah. I think actually that probably would have helped me when I quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> And he's got this gorgeous white cat, which is desperate to get in the flat. 
Which, considering this is 97, determined or not, that cat is long dead. Oh, that's a depressing thought for right yeah. now. Yeah, no, I know. No. Like, most of the, like most of the cast, to be honest. Uh, yeah. And another Simpsons quote. You can't. There you go. Chalk them up. I, get them. I, 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 I do love that cat, but I also love the. So it's that whole sequence. So when he wakes up, he's got the radio playing, and it's this kind of 90s kind of alternative dance kind of music yeah. going. And the the phone ringing is in time with the music. It is, the yeah. The hat is yeah, in yeah. time with the music. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I really just love the whole composition of the scene because he's clearly hungover or pissed off or whatever. He has a bad night's sleep. And it's all this stuff, all this noise coming off, and it's just, and you can hear like Ruby Rod talking in the background, and yeah. it's it's it all resolves lovely at the end of the track. And I just think oh, it just it's so stylish. Yeah, it's it's like li- all these little touches. Why I love this film so much. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it's it uh, probably ripped off by Edgar Wright for that scene in Spaced where tires. Absolutely. It's- I, I, I think Edgar Wright saw this because Spaced was two years later. Yeah, I think Edgar Wright saw this and went. I have a direct. I'm, I'm having that. Yeah, I'm, I'm that. rightly so. I'm <laughs> rightly so. You know. I'm having that. <laughs> um, Dallas's phone rings, as you say. This the bed thing is brilliant because when he gets out of bed, the the the, the mattress leaves, and then another mattress is underneath, and it's wrapped well, in cling, cling film. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. This refreshing mattress thing. I loved it. I love his we little just... magnetic coffee machine thing. Ah, uh, yeah, I noticed yeah, that. Like, stick the yeah. carafe on there and leave it. Like, yeah. don't have to fuck around with anything. Yeah. I was into that a lot. We discover Corbin Dallas used to be major, um, and he's got his his mate Fingers yeah, on the fingers. phone. Uh, he's going to get the cab for an overhaul and get it back in. Um, he, there's an advert on the TV, Flossed in Paradise, as we say, where you can win a dream pass on the Ruby Rod show. Um, outside the apartment, he gets held up, up by this guy with this massive assault <laughs> rifle. So brilliant. Right. Oh, like now, cash. give me the cash. <laughs> like, his tweaker guy is brilliant. Um, and he's like, look, uh, you do know that you need to push the button to load it, right? And yeah. as he goes to push the button, um, Dallas pulls the gun on him. He says, look, let me hold on to that. It's far too dangerous for you. Did you spot his hat? The thing that the guy had on his head? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Picture yeah. the, 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 the hallway. Picture of the hallway, an empty hallway. Fucking brilliant. I know. Like, but he's like, I like the hat. He's like, Ugh. I love it. Yeah, his little dance at the, at the end where he's tweaking off his head. Yeah, I like. <laughs> then, then there's completely unreferenced thing that happens where there's just cage of guns kind of comes down in Corbin's flat. Yeah. And just sticks it. as if this is like a daily occurrence. This lad's trying that's, to rob. That's him. what I got for that when he pulled that tree. Then I thought he's, he must get this weekly. <laughs> I also, I also love how over the top the weapons are in this film. It's like, like this, this rifle. He's got, it's got spikes on the muzzle. It's got two yeah. clips. I, I just love it's the aiming piece with a per- yeah. It's, it's just literally got which has like a person in it. <laughs> it's got a silhouette of bloody Jason Voorhees or something on it. Like brilliant. Dallas gets in his taxi, which is this amazing flying cartoon car. Uh, the onboard computer reminds him he has five points left on his license, and he pulls out into the sea. And almost crashes immediately as he comes yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, off. you wouldn't have much choice, would you? It's, no. cr- it's crazy. It's, it's crazy, mad. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Did, uh, do, do you know when New York got cabs? Oh, no. So um, horse-drawn carriages were, were the thing in the 1800s and into the early 1900s. A fellow by the name of Harry N. Allen didn't like the fares that they charged, so he started his own taxi service in 1907. Ooh. He imported 65 red and green cars from France and painted them yellow so they were more noticeable from a distance. In 1908, nice. the New York Taxi Cab Company had 700 taxis around the city. 
and more companies started entering the market over the next 10 years. Ford and General Motors were naturally the bigger players operating fleets in the 1920s. No, sorry, sorry. by 1940, there were 30,000 cabs, and they just expanded from there. Wow. I there think you it, see. At its peak, there were, there were 700,000 cabs, and it's it shrank since then. I think that must have been in the 80s, I think. Yeah, once once it cancelled taxi, it was like a dying trade, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Missed Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> um. On a license, uh, you can be disqualified from driving in the UK if you build up 12 or more penalty points within a period of three years. Unless or you're a new driver. Or, yeah, or six if you're a new driver. Correct, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not changed now, is it? Uh, what gives you points? Um, Prizes! <laughs> um, these following are reasons that you can get points. Causing or likely to cause danger by reason of load or passengers, which I assume means... Too many people are are in you car. overloaded or have you got like 100 <laughs> people in the car? How many points do you think that is, Gadget? Uh, I think that's one point, that. It's three. Uh, John, causing death by careless or inconsiderate driving. How many points? Six. Between three and 11. Bloody hell. See, is that, is that I mean, a bit of Tim and how many people yeah, you have? Yeah. You get points for it. It's like death race. <laughs> get a bonus multiplier. Yeah. Uh, driving a vehicle having failed to notify of a disability seems a bit harsh, Gadget. Three points. Uh, between three and six. Correct. Uh, John, um, play street offences, which sounds like a Savile and Glitter thing to me. <laughs> With Savile offences. Play street offences, Luke Besson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two to six. Uh, two. I think there's a play street in Bladen, Gadget, funnily enough. I do think there's a play street in Bladen. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to have it's, a look at that. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a street where I think you have to, I think you probably have to do 10 mile an hour or 20 All right, yeah. Uh, play street, uh, it's, um, there's one in Newcastle. It's a chance for your kids to play out in a safe, traffic-free area where they can enjoy games, sports, skipping, cycling, hopscotch, and playing tag. You name it. This is... This is really 1940s. This I was going to say exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Oh, oh well, okay. If, if you want some facts, for, if you want to do it in Newcastle upon Tyne, yeah. uh, you need to apply to the council by sending an application form and follow the guidance for organisers. Make sure you followed all necessary steps. So these are temporary things. They're not permanent things. Right. Uh, before you apply for Player Streets event, you have to let your neighbours know in case anyone has an objection. I need to do this at least two weeks before you apply. Hmm. Excellent. I've said Bladen. I think I meant Wickham, but uh, not sure. See, I've I've been away from the northeast for two months, and already I'm forgetting where everything is. It sounds yeah, like a Wickham thing, doesn't it? About it just... two, two miles away from each other. Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. yeah, but I, it was my job. Um, uh, here you go, John. Furious driving. How many did you get for furious driving? Oh, uh, depends how furious. Uh, well, if you're not killing anybody, it's got to be sort of something between three and six. It, 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 it is, it is various between three and nine. Basically, gadget, roll a d12 and you'll get some points. He's got furry dice. Spotted these on the subject of uh, of, of d12s, uh, but these are d6s. Uh, three yeah. quid from Halfords if you want them. Yeah. Uh, but but then I did see in the same Google search Gucci dice set, five <laughs> d6s in a case, two hundred and ninety quid. <laughs> Oh, sniff at half the price. Why do you get the dungeon master as everything? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Ian Holmes explaining to President Tyler Lister, the ultimate evil, uh, the planetoid, is going to give them 48 hours where it exterminates all forms of life. And there's only one thing that can stop it. They have these big old stones, which they need. And it turns out that the, the big fucking, the, the big monster 
fucking robot gold boys uh, have them. Come and on, they, say their name. I can't. I cannot remember. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say the Golden Army for uh, Hellboy Two. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> as long as we're not talking about that Hellboy reboot, I'll be okay. Um, now. They're being chased by these big mutant dog monster aliens who I didn't write down what they were called. Uh, what oh, are they shit. called, Gadget? Fuck, I can't remember, actually. Yeah. Um, but they look like big mutant dog monster aliens. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look into it because I did, they're, they're only named once. Yeah, okay. Which is um, uh, when uh, much later on when they're in Floss in Paradise. Uh, Mangalores. Okay, well done. I didn't so spot that at all. Bangalore with an M. Okay, even though I've watched this <laughs> twice this week, I still didn't pick that up. Um, yeah. So they're in these tiny little. Go on. Have, have you not picked up the fact that there are traffic lights in space? Oh yeah, the the <laughs> things where you're only allowed in, and you go yeah. there's, there's red ones and green ones. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 the the Monte ship stops at red traffic lights in space that are in a straight line. Yeah. Bear in mind, space is three D movement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just move it. That's yeah, that's that's very French, isn't it? They they they're in these little tiny Tie Fighters which blow up this whole massive ship, sending it careening into the planet below. Yeah. All right. So you know. The head of these report that the job is done, and we see the back of the head of this character. Um, and all we know from the back of the head is it's Gary Oldman at this point. We'll learn some more uh, shortly. Um, the only thing they managed to salvage from the exploding ship is basically a glove of this creature. Yeah. Um, the guy explains humans have 40 memo groups of part of their DNA, and this thing has 200,000 memo groups of part of its DNA. If you Google memo groups DNA, it literally just brings quotes of this up. Yeah. So because I'm assuming the DNA memo groups are made up for this. They're not, and I have a fact on this one. Because oh, excellent. They, they are made up for this, and I, I, I went on a little Reddit deep dive to try and find out if there was any, if this was pure sci-fi bullshit, or if they were trying to get close to something. I went on a Reddit deep dive, and now I've been radicalized. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now I hate now I hate all women. <laughs> oh, that happened years ago. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so uh, there, there is a thing in DNA called a telomere. Um, which is, and this is going to be really science-y because I had to get this off Wikipedia, a telomere is a region of repetitive nucleotide sequences associated with specialized proteins at the ends of linear chromosomes. Although there are different architectures, telomeres, in a broad sense, are a widespread genetic feature most commonly found in eukaryotes? I don't know how to say that. In most, if not all, species possessing them, they protect the terminal regions of the chromosomal DNA from progressive degradation and ensure the integrity of linear chromosomes by preventing DNA repair systems from making the ends of the DNA strand for a double strand break. Basically, the end of those double helixes, it's like a protective cap on each end. Oh, right. And you have about about 40 of them. So it's kind of close to it, but it's not the same. It's not the right thing that he's talking about. Ah, It is made up to the film. But someone managed to connect this. Yeah, this is kind of it. So, oh. like, like Metaclorians? Is that, that sort of... yeah, it, it's about as scientific <laughs> as that. There was one comment on Reddit I did read where it says, if someone had, to, if someone had like 200,000 times the DNA that we have, yeah. they would be a walking tumour. Oh. And possibly not a walking tumour, possibly a rolling tumour. Right. <laughs> because that's more information than any existing creature needs. So, like, like, like the end of the game Inside... Something oh yeah, like that. yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> okay, great. Fantastic. Or whatever that thing is at the end of Resident Evil when you're on the uh, Resident Evil Two when you're on the train. Yes, <laughs> oh, very good. Look at all these game references, and for another one, they sequence 
uh, this creature or this character inside what I just written here is Dr. Robotnik's big gene machine. Um, <laughs> I, I, needs do, to come <laughs> I do love this sequence. It's one of the best special effects shots in the whole thing. Oh god, yeah, it, yeah. It does. It does, and it still looks good. They, <clears> they do o- kind of the they, bones, and the... they always used it for um, TV adverts for for showing off TVs. Every time it shows like a clip, yeah. so it used to show you like Independence oh, um, right. Day. But that was one of the, that was one of the clips they always used to show off how um, this Nikam stereo TV would look. <laughs> Nikam <Cool>. stereo. <laughs> Remember Nikam stereo. Remember Nikam. Uh, <laughs> um, I think also it also works because it's a very brightly lit scene. Like you see a lot of things in sci-fi where it's dark, and this is kind of one of the things I like about this film. It's a very brightly yeah. lit science fiction yes. film. Yeah. Uh, the. It basically happens. This type, this creature happens to look like a supermodel. Would you believe it? The general wants to take a few pictures, of course, for the archives. Fuck off! Oh, he's a such a bird. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And speaking of greasy, when he um, when when it does the flash thing to um, not the flash thing when it, when it goes over and it, it says it says um, we're going to bombard it with slightly greasy ions. Yes. Right. Skin uh, again, another science fiction bullshitty thing. But okay. I did find an explanation of it, and this is like a—I think this is a headcanon thing. I don't know if it's a fact thing, but um, the uh, the term "slightly greasy" was used as an al- analogy metaphor for the nature of the radiation being fired at Lilu. Rather than a clean burst of radiation, say a specific wavelength of light or just beta particles, it was dirty or greasy—a mix of all sorts of radiation that would be emitted by a typical uh, Sol-class star, as in our sun. How as to how this works to generate skin, it doesn't directly cause the skin to grow, but instead it triggers a defensive mechanism in the tissue, prompting it under the effect of all the biostimulants that's been added to her during the regrowth process to grow a skin in order to heal itself. Ooh. I, like it, so I, like, I like it when people recent. write the science fiction better than the writer of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> she, she they shock her awake and she basically freaks out. She's babbling this. Language nobody understands. Yeah, is it? Is that when they're saying it's the divine language or something like that? Yes. Divine language. Do we know what the divine language is? Because it's, 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 it's yep. split. It's, uh, made up for the film. Luke Besson wrote it. There's 400 words in its vocabulary. Yep. Mila Jovovich spent six months learning it while learning it, and she and she the way she learned it was basically um, conversing with Luke Besson in in it and writing letters back and forth to each other, like like when they're in production. Yeah, and that right. kept her relevant with it. Uh, but while you're at it, Mila Jovovich is also fluent enough to have conversations in English, Russian, French, and Serbian. Yeah, wow. so it was quite easy for her to pick up the, a language of 400 words. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find st- dictionaries of it online. Like uh, Luke Besson released the dictionary online. Like, like, like Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, I was looking at the Hebrews, of course, or religious types think that the divine language is basically Hebrew. Oh, okay, yeah. It's. I mean, I yeah, thought it was can, it, there's bits of it that can sound like Hebrew, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, basically, 400 words in total. So she's a minion, right? Banana? Yeah. Minions <laughs> do have a made-up language which steals words from Hindi, French, Spanish, and others. Um. The oldest language, uh, dating back to at least 35,000 BC, uh, the oldest proof uh, is written uh, Sumerian, which is found in what is called what is known as today's Iraq, or as we would have known it, Persia, the Prince of, uh, on, an archi- on an artifact known as the Kish Tablet, uh, which I think probably runs Android, I would assume. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I tell you what, I did miss uh, D- when we were talking about DNA. I was I was so kind of into that. I m- I missed my my one point. Barbara Streisand has cloned two dogs. What? Right. Yeah. Barbara Streisand, two dogs. Woof. And a uh, mini mall. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on Barbara Streisand's underground mini mall. Um, <laughs> they are the clones of her late dog Samantha, who died in 2017. Um, the, she, she claims that the dogs are honouring their mother. I'm also all for naming animals after humans, aren't I, Colin Robinson? Uh, and uh, <laughs> John House... He's uh, a vampire. He's not human. Okay. Yeah, right. I guess not. Uh, John House, Keith and Eddie. Are they doing all right? Eddie's getting better. He's, yeah. I'm starting to like him now. Before, I wasn't liking him, but he's, he's getting better. But Keith... Uh, who are your cats named after? I've got Major Tom. Yeah, that's a good name for a cat. And Goose. Oh, okay. Goose Ido. <laughs> <laughs> you need to call him Rooster now, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I've uh, never seen Top Gun. No, just, do you know what? Do you know what? I've seen Top Gun once and I have no intention to watch it again, in spite of the fact that everybody else on your podcast gadget has not stopped banging on about it. New one? Yeah, they're just always banging on about it. Anyway, moving on. This isn't an advert. For, well, it is an advert for your podcast, but it is also <laughs> our podcast. Um they chase her through the facility and she sm- as she smashes away. She finds this ledge and she sees flying cars all around, as well as this amazing train, which just seems to go down the building, which made zero that. sense, but I was well into it. Yeah, but it was like that bloody... Uh, was there no motorway going down the side of the building and that new Total Recall, which really annoyed me oh, as well? Oh, that's <laughs> Man, why no, we must you ruin my life by talking about the Sorry. new Total Recall? That's so, pointless. Absolutely you could have pointless. talked about the cars going up the building in Minority Report or even the cars going up the building in iRobot. Oh, that thing? that minority report's great, isn't it? Aye, that's I think that's probably my favourite uh, Tom Cruise film. It's probably the only one I can stand him in. I really don't like Tom Cruise. No, I don't either. I don't either. I would, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Uh, anyway, uh, she decides to escape by just dropping off the ledge, landing conveniently through the roof of Corbin Dallas's cab. Yes. Uh, she's, of course, speaking the ancient language, telling the full story, but the only thing he picks up is... Big bada boom. Boom. Big boom. Bada boom. Which is so cute. It's so and, cute. She, uh, she is cute uh, as a button Luke, in this. Yeah. Oh, and right. Luke Besson didn't tell Bruce Willis what she was going to say. He only had his lines for the script. Oh, so his right. reaction okay. there to her babbling away in the divine language is entirely genuine. He did yeah. not know that she was not going to speak English. Oh, oh right. Okay. Cool, actually. Oh, he's he's Italian American as well, isn't he? So he's gonna love bada boom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's part of part of his language. Uh, uh, that that and the mafia. Uh, the yeah, police arrive. I was I was going to say uh, the New York of this film is said to be the same size as current day New York, yeah. but just a hundred feet up in the air. Oh so right, that, okay. Does anyone know how big New York City is as of twenty twenty two? As in width or height? Just square square footage, or square kilometer ish. Um, fifty kilometers. <laughs> 50 kilometers on that one? I'll say 500 square kilometers 783.8 square kilometers oh not oh, far John God. boy yeah. well a snake can, Pliskin can fly out in a bloody uh, glider then that's <laughs> a fair size isn't it <laughs> that's, 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 yeah A number one <laughs> <laughs> um, the police arrive force Corbin to open the door they attach this brilliant grappling hook thing between the cars. Meanwhile, she's begging, begging him to help. She reads that kind of that that poster. That one with the yeah, help. Yeah. It's great. Um, Please help. And because he's not a total jerk, Corbin drives off uh, and loses the final point on his license. 
there's these two cops at McDonald's waiting for their food. Gadget, did you recognise the old cop? Yes. By the way. Yes, it was Captain Hollister from Red Dwarf. It's Captain Hollister. Yes, Mac McDonald. Mac McDonald. McDonald. I was looking at him. Brilliant. Do you know what else you know him from? There's another particular role that you absolutely know him from, but it's one of these kind of blink and you miss it. I know. I know he's kind of a prolific kind of video game and anime voice actor. He does a lot of cartoon work and a lot of video game work, but I can't think of anything else I'd recognise him from. If you're watching the special. If you're watching the director's cut of Aliens, he's the one that's in charge at Hadley's Hope in that bit where they cut it out, where the kids oh, are on the bike shit. going around. He's yes, in charge he at Hadley's Hope as well. And every time I see him, I think, Captain Hollister. And then secondly, I think, oh, man, I've got to watch Aliens again. <laughs> so, um, most notably, 1998's The End was the most that we saw Captain Hollister. Yeah. Until season eight of the show, where they brought the entire ship back and everybody back from the nanomachines. Yeah, and he was basically the com the comic foil to the bullshit that they got up to while in prison. He was indeed. Yeah, he was indeed. Um, fantastic I that show. I, I really liked him yeah. as Captain Hollister. Yeah, so did I. Dallas flies by them, and they get f- soda and food. So obviously they they take chase as well as the cops that are currently chasing them. Um, I don't know about you, but I thought most of this bit looked really really good, including yeah. a kind of a run on a train tracks and things. Yeah, yeah, that was they- good. They give- and then this was the bit where I had the note about the people who did the model work. So it was a company called Digital Domains. Mm-hmm. And their most recent three films are, you would say, a mixed bag. Two excellent ones and one terrible one. Okay. They did special effects and model work for uh, the Indian film RRR. Okay, still not seen it, but uh, I know um, uh, Stig doesn't show up about it. Yeah, they did the physical prop work for Dune. Okay, yeah. yeah. And they did the physical prop work and some of the digital effects for Morbius. Ooh, Ooh, it's not Morbin time. No, it's not no. Morbin time. <laughs> that was, that was, no, I hated that man. man. I absolutely hated that. CGI heavy. That's it. That's it, though. That's what. That's what. That's what it all is. It's all CGI heavy. I'm. I'm. I'm getting to this point where I think, I think I'm. I'm over superhero movies. I really do. I think we I need think some I, indie I, superhero I, movies or get to fuck. Jared Leto was just I, I a bad just, choice as well. I think just don't watch the fucking Sony's attempt at the Marvelverse kind of yeah. thing. It's very distinct from the MCU. Although I will say, the last two MCU films I saw at the cinema, which were Doctor Strange 2 and Thor Love and Thunder, I was thoroughly underwhelmed by. Yes. My whelm totally was agree. distinctly under. Oh. Yeah, they, they, they had a format where they third Thor um, and then I don't know what they've done with it, but they just they ruined it. It just felt too. They tried to make every as we were talking about. They're trying to make everybody in the film funny, everybody yeah. and everything. Yeah. It just didn't work. And I think, well, I think the problem was that I think there's an interview with Taika Waititi where he said that um, something along the lines of he barely had to direct anybody, he just let everybody improvise things, and then oh. they kind of fill the special effects around the edges. Oh and it's, no! Yeah, and that's where because like thought Ragnarok worked because. Chris Hemsworth was allowed to improvise, but everybody else had a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, just just get get back to making movies in in New Zealand with your mates, Tiger. That's what that's what I, that's what I say. All that all that good stuff. Boy is is just beautiful. I love it. And um, Hunt for the Wilder People uh, is Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, Wilder People. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely, I sob my heart out. All of his earlier films. Anyway, it's not why we're here. Um, they escape in this basically they escape in this grimy underside which kind of of of, of yeah. the city which is there are still lights on by the way so people still yeah. live down the there. underbelly that's where they work guys the that's where i got fucking, oh the fucking 
like, reminds me of like old New York and Futurama. Yes, yeah, they've mm. just as you say they've built up, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. this is where the, uh, the 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 moblins live. Uh. <laughs> well, they did that sort of thing in Batman, didn't they? That sort of um, in the first yeah, one, yeah, like the they narrows. Did, I did that, and yeah. the, the sort of the subsection it all was, mm. and they really pan out after that. But yeah. it was that sort of vibe. I'd love to learn more about this kind of area because it reminds me a little bit, probably more than anything else, of the first kind of level of Stray, I think, more than yeah. anything else. Oh, yeah. Uh, very much so. And Mila Jovovich's character explains she needs to see priest Vito Cornelius. Uh, so Corbin carries her to the priest. She's passed out. Uh, he, he, Cornelius says, weddings are downstairs, my son. <laughs> like, oh. I know. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, if you want a priest to marry you, uh, thanks to WeddingWire.com, the average cost in the USA of hiring a priest is $300 redos. Mm-hmm. Seems on the low side. Mm, yeah, well, I guess it'll vary depending on where you are. I guess you, shotgun marriages don't cost a lot of money. Did you uh, did you notice all the random religious iconography in Cornelius's flat? I don't think I did. You know, so the, 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 the right my notes. The, the the one that was most obvious is is when the, when they're talking, he's doing the he's a she thing, and you see behind him, uh, he's got a menorah. All oh, right, wow. So the seven branches of a, of a menorah made date, um, dates back to ancient times and it's a symbol of Judaism. The seven branches is meant to uh, mean remembering the period of the temple and is also supposed to serve as a reminder of how God created the earth and everything in it in seven days. So this would imply that their religion is based on Judaism, but there are also some random kind of uh, paintings of kind of Christian iconography around. I'm pretty sure I need to go back and rewatch it to find out for sure, but I'm pretty sure I caught the um, uh, there's a, a really grimy picture of the Last Supper in in, right. in one image. Fantastic, but it suggests maybe that they're that that they're not so much a religious order as they are really just trying to. They're they're just here for this and nothing uh, else. Like yeah, this yeah. is their this is their one and only thing that they and, do. Yeah. yeah, like just that you know they're just passing down the message until this happens. We 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 don't get really much of a view of any other religions within this world. No. So it could it could be a case of that they've all kind of conglomerated into one, or he's just an archivist and just like researches these things. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting. I also really like David's little poo shaped hat. I also yeah. liked his yeah <laughs> his, his, his poo emoji hat. Yeah, that was good. Um, uh, we see that she's got the 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 symbols from the stones in the start of the film on her wrist. Cornelius recognizes her as the fifth element and faints. Um, they wake him up. He explains that he is the divine being and then corrects himself, as you say, Gadget, because it is she who is the divine being. I don't know about you, lads, but I've only got one divine being in my life. Uh, that's for sure. Who is it? Corn? It's you, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The only reason that. I've managed to do this for two fucking years. Uh, Cornelius is basically readying himself and Dallas kisses the unconscious fifth element and she pulls a gun on him. Uh, this, is, right, this, so, is, this, is, this is the best on moment. This, of course it is. She should blow his balls off, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> he asked for her name, which is extremely long. Did either of you catch the full name? Because I know nope. I didn't. <laughs> Ended go, go, go. <laughs> Very good. Um, and he, she shortens it to Lilu, which is easy for us. And now I can finally call the character by her name because she has a name in the film. Cornelius is returns in this priest garb, which looks like a tabard. It looks like he's going to do cleaning an office <laughs> <He> building. <does. laughs> Um, uh, and uh, marches Corbin out 
actually, knowing my political leanings, as everybody does, it was really difficult for me to write the words Corbyn out. Uh, <laughs> I didn't enjoy that at all. Uh, still, at least Boris Johnson got Brexit done, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Back at the apartment, uh, Dallas has forgotten cat food because he's a fucking prick, starving his cat. Um, Corbyn can't get Lilu off his mind. This is pervy as fuck. I didn't really like this so much. He's kind no, of he's just, when he's fingers. describing it to fingers. Yeah, I didn't. It's yeah. kind of. Yeah, it, it it could have been so much. He could have done so much better. Where if, if it's just like you know, um, oh, this fair dropped in my lap. Oh, what was she like? He says, well, she had red hair. She's beautiful. You know that kind of thing. Like if he'd like just talked to her in general. But he's given like five nine, about a hundred pounds. It's just yeah. like, oh, oh, no, no, you're not uh, size. You're not sizing her up to put in a uh, casket yeah. or something. She's just checked in and <laughs> she's just checked in Andos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really stalkerish behaviour. <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis, by the way, since 2019's Motherless Brooklyn, has made 23 films, all of which are direct to video. Uh, But we're not allowed to say horrible things about Bruce Willis because he's not well. Uh, Yeah, yeah, quick and easy paydays. You only had to do like two years of work. Good good, good for him, but you know, uh, Kevin Smith, I mean, Kevin Smith's got his his problems and everything, but he says never meet your heroes, didn't he? Ended up working with him on Cop Out and it was on the worst experience. Then he he ended up working with him again on Die Hard 4 and had a similarly bad experience. Shit, I'd forgotten Kevin Smith sure is in Die Hard Four. Yeah, he was. A, he was, he a was the. Was he the <laughs> but he's also. Is he not the? Was he not the script doctor on that? Yeah, it is what it is. That we, we've already covered the fact that we we knew where his career started to tail off. Now it all gets. It starts to get a little bit. This is where it, for the first time, starts to get a little bit kind of like slapsticky, doesn't yeah. it? Here. She's learning about the history of Earth through this computer terminal and eating all the food on this fantastic system, which just heats food up like the oven in Back to the Future 2, I thought. Yeah, I it's it. kind of like, hey, Ma, you can really rehydrate a pizza. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what, that's what I thought it was as well. Just going to be hanging down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vito and his young Padawan, I've written, because I couldn't remember his name, but it, yes, David. you're right, it was David, David. Uh, are asking about the case with the stones. She explains it was stolen. Um we then go to Gary Oldman's character who's called Zorg, uh, which is a <laughs> great name. What is Leitia's nemesis? <laughs> yes. He needs to sack half a million members of staff. Uh, to point out what an absolute shitty human being he is, he's like, yeah, let's just sack, I don't know, a million, million. that we don't from need. The, from the taxi companies when the no one care. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this bad guy truly is bad guy. And, and and also, you know how bad a guy he is because he has a soul patch. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does, and half a haircut, like most mo- most lads in a uh, in, in a barber, <laughs> a Turkish barbers on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. So, and and I did take a fact of a soul patch because I thought I had to because it's such a significant part of Gary Oldman's character in this. Uh-huh. It's called a soul patch because the style was a favorite of jazz musicians and beatnik artists in the fifties and sixties. You might also hear it referred to as a jazz dot beard. <laughs> a jazz dot, jazz dot. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats you up there, John. <laughs> oh man, we've we've tried absolutely nothing, and we're all out of ideas. Yeah, basically uh, them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I've got, got another one. Um, apparently, Gary won't need to do any auditions for this. He's good friends with Luke Besson. Well, he would be after Leon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He uh, he hated it. He hated the whole process. Hated the whole thing, but had only done it as a favour um, for, yeah, for Luke Besson because Luke Besson uh, t- threw the money into uh, nil by mouth. 
which oh, is its yeah, only yeah. directorial uh, uh, film to yeah. date. He may he may do another one. Um, of it, course. It, it, it fascinates me that, that that Gary Oldman has been on record saying how much he hates this film. Yeah, when he when he has said no words about um, tiptoes. Oh, is that the one where he plays the the little the, person? The dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can you say Funny that. little person? Is that what you say? Uh, yeah. Um, you, um, Nil by mouth, by the way, features the word cunt eighty two times. Perfect. Yeah, isn't it? Um, we all know who's in that. Layla Morse from EastEnders. What does Gary uh, Oldman call her? Doesn't call her Layla Morse. He probably calls her sister. sister. Big Mo is his little sister. Mo. Uh, Big Mo, little Mo, cardboard box. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well yeah. wrong Gary Oldman facts as well. He based his performance as Zorg on a mix of Bugs Bunny and a fellow called Ross Perot, who was a presidential Ooh, candidate who yeah. ran as an independent in 1992. He campaigned on a platform of, get this, higher taxes and lower government spending on social security, basically pissing off everybody that you would want to get votes for. (laughs) Um, But he somehow managed to secure 19 million votes in the general election, but with the the weird way American things were, he didn't get any electoral college votes. But it still makes him the most successful third-party candidate in the US political history. Well. Wow. What are you going to do? Throw away your vote? <laughs> oh, See, I voted you... for Ken. <laughs> <laughs> See, you say that um, that, that was a, a crazy platform to be on, but it's exactly what the Conservatives have done. They've given us higher national insurance and higher taxes yep. and spent none of that money on the public services that we need. So well, it yes. obviously fucking works, doesn't well, it? How many people are happy with them, though? I don't know. Gammon? There's a lot of gammon out there. There's there is an unfortunate gammon. amount of gammon out there. We're pork heavy. It's those pork markets that Liz trusts us. And uh, this week in trading, pork prices rose. There's another Simpsons reference. Anyway. This oh, is there, and, there is one more fact, and this is just a fact Go about on. the film. Um, anytime you see Zorg, he yeah. is framed with circles around him. And almost every time you see um, Corbin, he's framed yep. with rectangles around him. Oh uh, wow! I noticed that. I don't even don't even pick up on it. I just I, it was oh. guy. I, mean, I kept seeing circles behind him. I never noticed yeah. Corbin danced. Um. So they get Lilo some clothes, which is a start. She says she knows exactly where the stones are. Uh, turns out the dog faced creature is taking the stones to Gary Oldman in exchange for loads of like cases of these weapons, right? The ZF one, right? I love <laughs> the ZF one. It I lo- is I, brilliant. I, I love this whole sequence. It's just that turn of the camera goes, my favorite. My <laughs> favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says uh, all the things it can do. So it's got a 3,000 round clip. Uh, it's got replay, one shot, and then press the replay button. Every other shot goes to that location, no matter which direction you're facing. <laughs> oh, which is great, but I assume that he turns around and he fires these. I would assume that he would get absolutely obliterated by bullets <laughs> if that was the case. <laughs> they would go through him to get to the target. Oh. Um, rocket launcher, arrow launcher with poisonous and exploding heads. Net launcher, which is the most pointless thing in the world. Uh, flamethrower. And what he calls, yeah, <laughs> what he calls an ice cube system, which is blatantly just a fire extinguisher attached to the prop. <laughs> uh, and he's swapping well, the stones for more. I, I, I love the way the Mangalores just kind of applaud each little thing. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 like, yes, they're really impressed. Yeah, uh, the box, however, is empty. 
Smash cut to Lilu laughing. Uh, it turns out that the Guardians gave the stones to someone else they could trust and went in a different direction to the big old boys. Um, they have to go to Planet Floston to collect them. And there's that, there's that Edgar Wright inspiration. Oh, yeah. The smash it, cuts great. in the middle of conversation. Yeah, it yeah. looks it looks great, that. Uh, meanwhile, Oldman's not happy. No stones equals no crates. He, he agrees to give them one crate uh, when they threaten to murder him. He explains to Tricky, which is a very strange bit of casting, by the way. Mm-hmm. Where's Tricky? Where's the English accent before you get to Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven? Yeah, but it's oh, actually yeah. his accent. That's the worst thing. No. <laughs> Tricky's from Bristol. Uh, can, Candy can tell us if it's a very good, uh, a very good. In fact, it's better than any of Candy's accents in uh, really? Scottish Sheep. Hey, <laughs> she won't listen to this. Fine. I don't uh, know. Her Scottish Mrs. Doubtfire was pretty funny. Her Scottish Mrs. Doubtfire did have me in in absolute bits. I'm so um, mad at that. It, try, <laughs> try to give them some dramatics, and they're going in disguise as Mrs. Fucking Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of into that. Um, he gives them one crate, and he says the one thing they never asked about was the red button on the side. She's blinking, yep. and they're all in the background. They're all firing nets at one another. I know, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> These idiots. He presses the button, and the whole thing explodes. Yep. David explains at this point that they're unlikely to be able to get to Floston because there's a charity ball there and all the flights are booked up. Um, this is the point where Tricky turns up um, with goons, hired goons, who strangely, right, are this massive, massive, huge black guys with blue helmets on. Now, I think they missed a chance not calling them the, the black and blue man group. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? No. Uh, the blue, the blue man group, of course, formed in 1987. Three. Oh, you, you are making such a tenuous link there to get this. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. You, listener, you know. That's how it works. Uh, they wore blue masks and led a street procession that included the burning of a Rambo doll and a piece of the Berlin Wall covered by MTV. Uh, began a series of creative disturbances, which evolved into full performance. So they are just sellouts. Uh, I did also write, "I blew myself." Um, which, of course, is a uh, Arrested Development, is, Johnny, is Arrested Development reference. I was going to say Johnny Cash song. <laughs> I do myself today. <laughs> they take Cornelius to see Zorg. Cornelius explains to Zorg he just wants to destroy life. Zorg explains that he's an industrialist and he wants to help people. So all these little robots he's got, he smashes this glass, and all these little robot butlers no. and cleaners come out. And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm giving people jobs, which allows them to bring up their families. I'm adding to the great chain of life. Okay. Um, those all go in and he, he gets some water automatically poured for him. And this fruit, this cherry, he puts it in the water and starts to choke on it. Uh, he's pressing all these buttons to make something happen. And all of the things he's got, I want. I want my shirts to, to come out of this huge thing. I want this <laughs> Rolodex. And I want this cute little alien puppet monster that he's got. That's so cute yeah. with the little trunk little, nose. Uh, and yeah. like that. It looks like a dictaphone in Flintstones. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> I, love, I, I, love, I love that you got like all these robots and there's like one comes out which like sweeps the stuff away, one's a vacuum. But there's this just kind of like Three cornered one that comes out and just spins on the spot, spraying <laughs> <Yes>. something. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that 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 monologue, incidentally, is actually a, quite a famous monologue. Um, oh, it comes from a classic um, economics fallacy exposed in the Parable of the Broken Window, written by French economist Frederic Bastiat in eighteen fifty. Oh, the well. essay is called, and I'm not going to give it the French name because I cannot pronounce it. But it, but in English, it is that which is seen and that which is not seen. 
So it's actually oh, fantastic. It's a, it's, I think it's been largely discredited over the years, but that's basically okay. where it came from. <laughs> that's, that's that's fun that he's put that in there. That's really clever. Yeah. Um, it, basically, he can't do anything about it. Um, and, and what Cornelius said is, your powers count for nothing and the entire empire comes crashing down because of one little cherry. He then belts him on the back of the... Uh, on the back, saving his life. Zorg allows Cornelius to live, spares his life because he saved his. He says, Cornelius, you're a monster. And he just grins and goes, I know. <laughs> he's so happy with himself. There's definite baddie for baddie's sake elements about yeah. Zorg, but he's played he's played so camp and so well that it's just Absolutely. you can't help but love him. It's one of his it's one of his best performances in my eyes. Yeah. You might hate it, but I had a great time. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was good. I had to look up robot Heimlich maneuver things just in case there was one. There isn't, but you can buy a thing called the Heimlich Helper, which is basically a fucking yellow hammer that you plunge into your guts. So <laughs> if you need to buy something like that, you should probably just go to the doctor to work out why you're getting chew, why you're choking. Uh, or, or, or just chew your food. Chew. Yeah, uh, exactly. Chew your food. Chew your food. Uh, £34.75 direct from the manufacturer, Not who's crap. basically stealing a fucking uh, living. In my fucking opinion. hammer? Heimlich yeah. hammer? Heimlich Hammer, absolutely. <laughs> Which I think was not one of Hitler's uh, second-hand men. No, that was, that was one, one of Arnie's brothers. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, well, no, but that's for when Arnie ends up eating the wrong person and ends up choking. Hammering the meat. <laughs> exactly. Close to the meat. Um, Tricky gets one hour to get the stones. I haven't given this character's name, written this character's name down because I can't fucking remember. Um, back at the president's office, uh, Tricky's got this little mini cam on a cockroach, which is brilliant, <laughs> running around and listening. He's got this huge you kind of satellite that. thing on it. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, apparently, there's a diva who's going to be singing at Flost in Paradise. She has the stones. They just need to send someone to get the stones and bring them back. Tricky's heard all this, but not before the president smashes the cockroach with his shoe. Um, back at Dallas's apartment, and, and this is the bit I was talking about where it starts to get a little bit kind of slapstick. Um, he's eating food from this little stall that comes up to your apartment, and it's Mr. Kim on a boat on this ship. That's exactly <laughs> it. It's brilliant. Um, I absolutely love this. Corbin's mom calls on the phone, complaining he's not taking her on the trip. It doesn't, you know, well, it, she, she, it's just your fantastic kind of. Uh, New York mom, isn't it? You know, uh, she's, she's, it, was, it sounds like Estelle, uh, Joey Trebbiani's agent. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Jill Mullen, uh, uncredited. Uh, I think she's just a, a she's, she's just a, a person that they just got to do the voice thing for him. But she mentions at one point, she says, uh, she says, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get myself a a, a a robot son instead. They're more grateful. And I thought, well, they kind of are, but it didn't end too well for David in AI, did it? Let's oh, right. Haley Joel Osmond. <laughs> yeah. Well, he grew up to be a very unattractive, but extremely funny man. He really uh, is. He's funny. He's very funny. Uh, she, she finds out that on the radio, he's won the trip to Floston Paradise. He didn't know. Um, Yep. But he says, if I'd won a trip, then someone would have surely have notified me. Uh, at that point, the notice comes in, which is, again, very kind of Edgar Wright, isn't it? Hmm. Um, through this little tube that he's got. Again, these tubes keep coming up in these films. Uh, hmm, General yeah. Monroe turns up to explain uh, that he's the one that rigged the contest. Yes. Um, they're having a conversation. He's meant to go with this uh, with, with this, this burly Eastern European character uh you know who, who but he's like no no i'm not going to her was my wife here comes lilu at the door oh. um 
and he, and he's like, oh no, she hates she hates the army. She hates the army. You've got to hide. And they basically hide the major and the cronies in the fridge. Yeah. Um, as Corbin opens the door, uh, Cornelius is there as well. Uh, he explains that we're going to get your tickets. We need to go um, and mm. do this. And at that point, the police turn up. So they hide Cornelius in the bed yep. and Lilu in the shower, shower. which yep. is great. Heads up into the ceiling. The police are about to turn up, but the next door neighbor, they confuse it, don't they, with the next door yes, neighbor? Yeah, yes, that's what they put, they put his business card onto the next door neighbor's house, I think. Correct, yeah. Um, and, and, and instead, get, they arrest him. Yeah, and when you get, when they when they ask if uh, Corbin Dallas is, uh, he identifies as human, he says, no, I'm a meat popsicle. That's right. Yeah. And meat popsicle has now become a slang term for male genitalia. Oh, right. Oh, wow. That's, that's disgusting. Let's go back to this film, according to Urban Dictionary. Right. All right, okay. I'll, uh, I'll I'll make a note of that for never using that in future. Um, <laughs> the, the mutant dog aliens turn up and grab the neighbour from the police. So once they've got him, they're going to get the stones, but they're going to make Zorg pay big for the stones. So it's all twisty. We're an hour into the film and we are a long way into the podcast. Um, <laughs> Dallas gets Lilo out of the shower and it's been on auto wash. She's drenched and all this. Uh, there are no auto washing showers available on the market today. No. Also, another very slightly creepy scene. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, every time I get you, 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 you're, you end up in my arms. Yeah. Uh, piss off. <laughs> We get Cornelius out of the bed, which is which has been made on him, which surely would have killed him. Or he could have just reached up and just burst the cling film. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, oh well, he could. <laughs> the um, he he hits Corbin over the head and steals his tickets, and now they're heading to the air. We're, we're at the airport, so yeah. David, the young priest, is going to be Corbin for the flight and take Lilu with him. Um, yeah. He shows up to board. Uh, but Corbin turns up and starts explaining, you know, oh, thanks for taking my place. I didn't think we'd be able to, you know, I'd make it in time. And she's all doing the kind of the multi-pass, multi-pass. L- 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 he L- just L- yells L- at her. She knows it's a multi-pass. He's like, oh, we're very in love. And you're like, you Meanwhile, Cornelius is on the, is is in this bar um talking he's, he's he's like oh and she's she's perfect she's wonderful she's just she's the greatest kind of thing that's ever existed and she's just too 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 good for this earth do you understand what i mean and the robot barman just shakes his head robot bartenders a fully automated robot bartender called barney developed by fnp robotics is capable of mixing 16 different spirits Plus beer, pop, and prosecco costs one hundred and thirty thousand US dollars. Ooh, good. Yeah, you're all right. You're all right. I'll just do it myself. myself. Yeah, I I always do better house measures anyway. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your measures. No, you don't. (laughs) Um, One of the dog aliens is now here aboard. He's disguised as this human, but his face keeps mutating. Uh, and basically, all of these people are going. I, I'm, I'm Corbin Dallas, and so's my wife. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing, aren't they? Um, the stewardess whisks Dallas away to see Ruby Rod, uh, and there's this huge gunfight in the airport. This airport, by the way, is absolutely full of garbage. It's, it's yeah, it's yeah. never explained what why that's actually there. No, uh, which uh, I just assumed is Heathrow 2023 in Brexit Britain. Probably. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 
Or Stiggs Airport. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ruby Rod is Chris Tucker. We know Chris Tucker. I think Chris Tucker's brilliant and should, should, should still brilliant. be in everything. He's good in this. He's good in I this. absolutely love him in this. But Prince was considered for the role. Prince yes, was wanted was. for the role. Yeah, uh, Prince was wanted for the role. And also Michael Jackson. <laughs> Jesus. <shaming. laughs> they, they had the right choice with Chris yeah, Tucker. Yeah, of course yeah. they did. Yeah. Uh, I assumed Chris Tucker was really short. Turns out he's six foot. Yes, he and he's all also right. wearing heels in this. Oh, is he really? Right, he's, okay, he's, he's got Cuban heels on all, all the shoes that he's wearing. So right. to, to bring him in line with um, Bruce Willis. All right, Nine. okay. Which I always assumed was quite short, but apparently not. Nope. Um, yeah, so he's the DJ. He's doing the flamboyant thing. He's basically shouting really loud at the microphone, and every now and again he offers the microphone to. Corbin Dallas, who only ever says one, one word, one. and yeah. it's great. It's I, really love that. Good. I really enjoyed that. I also love Ruby Rod's fabulous way of getting rid of people by just going, bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> 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 which is awful, but I think I'm going to try it and see how it works. I think, it, I, I, think I tried it once, and then I try it again. All right, okay. <laughs> I think my favorite thing in this whole sequence is when Ruby's like trying to, trying to give stage directions to Corbin. He's like, can you yeah. try and have more than a two-word vocabulary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just lifts him up by his throat. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I want to be left alone. Is that green? To the green. That is really good. That is really good. I also love the fact that he's he's big long chat, like his big long monologue is really good. And there's a bit where he's where he's going, and we're going to do it all night long. And he goes all night long, and I just loved the kind of the 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 thing all night long. Of course, Lionel Richie, 1983. Are you ready for the number ones, boys? Deep yeah. breath. Um, Australia, yep. Canada, Finland, the Netherlands, South Africa, USA, USA, and number two in the UK and West Germany. <laughs> the video, of course, was produced by Mike Naismith of the Monkeys. You know they don't write their own songs, Gadget. Um, yes, they do. Will... yes, they do. It's a lie. <laughs> and it is a lie. Naismith wrote all his own songs. Uh, yeah. In 1981, he won the first ever Grammy Award for Video of the Year, Mike Naismith. Yeah. Nice. So there you go. Writes his own songs and makes his own videos. So fuck off. The Simpsons. Why must The Simpsons lie to us? Um, back at the airport, Tricky says he's Corbin Dallas. The woman explains the flight's closed. Um, and basically, Tricky rings and says, uh, and says, look, sorry, uh, I couldn't get on the flight. And then, like, the, the, the whole, like, he basically blows him up through the uh, telephone, which I thought was really yeah. good. He explodes the whole airport through the telephone. That's <laughs> whatever that is, is a great trick that I want to be able to do. I think I think it's supposed to imply like how many, how much influence Zorg has on everything, right? Okay. Like it, it, he's he's kind of like the Jeff Bezos of this world. He's he's kind yeah. of this hyper capitalist industrialist who ha- has access to everything and everything. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That but makes a lot. Of also, sense. slightly underwritten in that kind of moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hell is round the corner for Tricky. Uh... Yeah. And how often is it that someone makes a tricky song reference on a podcast? Probably not very often in 2022. I, yeah. I mean, you do have to remember that it is tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme. That oh, is right oh, tricky. It is tricky. <laughs> it's tricky, tricky, tricky. Very good. Um, <laughs> tricky, of course, uh, as as we as as we all know. I mean, at least we should all know. Uh, was uh, was famous for um, creating trip hop. Uh, was uh, Adrian Nicol Matthews is his real name yeah. uh, from Bristol. Uh, started his career with the great so massive Bristol attack. in this episode. There is a lot of Bristol in this episode. Get your Bristols out. You are my lover. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's collaborated with Terry Hall, uh, Bjork, Alanis Morissette, Grace Jones, and PJ Harvey. Jesus. All great artists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bjork, of course, fantastic artist. Uh, Right, anyway. I love these guys loading up the ship with radioactive something to charge Yeah, they're stunned at the nut. <laughs> flamethrower, where they're basically getting these tribbles off the underside of the that's ship. That's that, that <laughs> <is> tribbles. <laughs> We're having ship tribble. <laughs> Meanwhile, the evil planet makes a call to Zorg, and he, he calls himself Mr. Shadow. I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? This is the worst, most underwritten part of the film. This, this is the problem because there's there's been nothing that's established what Zorg gets out of it. Yeah, exactly. Like I... this is the, this is why he kind of ends up being evil for evil's sake because yeah. someone like Zorg would need to have something in the bargain that benefits him, but just yes. this evil thing destroying the Earth is eh? is that enough for him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, is it <laughs> Mr. Uh, yeah, Zorg explains that he just wants money. It's going to cost him a lot of money. Um, so anyway, he says, look, I don't care about that. I just want the stones. So the ship arrives at Floston Paradise and docks in this futuristic Titanic looking thing. Um, in fact, scratch that. It's probably more like the ship out of Wally. You know, the characters with no bone density. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, which I generally look like when I come back off holiday. <laughs> Most of the time. Um, it turns out that Corbin Dallas has got front row tickets to the Divas show. His mum manages to find the number of the hotel room, which is really impressive. Yeah, nice to find them. <laughs> the um, uh, Flossen Paradise, the ship yes. itself, um, was, believe it or not, it looks CGI, but it's not. It's an actual model. Oh, nice. right. It looks like a model. as well. And and it's it uh, according to the IMDb trivia. Apparently, it was so big it weighed five hundred pounds. Wow! Jesus, that's, so it's not that's, a little airfix kit. This lad, it's a big one. Absolutely, I couldn't believe that scene when it says it was eighty five degrees. I thought oh, it was going to be really warm, but that was only twenty nine Celsius. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, uh, that's uh, warm enough. <laughs> and I was looking up Chris because he mentioned about the pools, but it says uh, that this ship, the Wonder of the Sea, features nineteen swimming pools. 19 swimming pools on a cruise ship, man. That's crazy. Seems a bit pointless to use of space, really, doesn't it? You're in the water. You're in the water. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. So the diva and the entourage arrived, greeted by this character, Fog. John, who was this actor? <laughs> Lee Evans, man. Right. Do you remember when Hollywood tried to make Lee Evans a thing? I think I they mean, did, Mouse yeah. Hunt was really good. I really enjoyed it. M- Mouse that. Hunt is exceptional, uh, but that's I didn't because... believe for a second that he was Nathan Lane's brother, but it was a fun double act. Uh, Nathan Lane is a fucking treasure. Uh, absolutely. Who, sh- who should be in everything. Something about Mary as well he was in, wasn't he? He was in yeah. something about Mary, yeah. Um, he always seems to play these tragic characters as well. He's like some <laughs> he kind really of weird does. physical disability or affectation. Uh, he's retired, <laughs> isn't he? I was just about to say, I'd, I'd wrote that down. He's retired. Yeah, he's... I mean, I assume he made a fucking fortune out of it because he used to sell out. Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I don't personally think he was ever that funny, but, you know, what do I know? Uh, his first ever film... All right, it was called Funny Bones in 1995. Oh, with Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Lewis. I've never seen it, John, and I yeah, discovered it for this. Is is it a future episode? Uh, it could be. I, no, it's actually really good, but because I couldn't believe it was actually in it, so yeah. uh, that's a possibility. Okay. I'll watch yeah. it again because it's been a while. Yeah, Bad. yeah, okay. okay, I'll put it on the list. Apparently also a singer and musician. He can play guitar, bass, keyboards, piano, mandolin, ukulele, and drums. Putting you to shame there, Gadget. Talented yeah, musician right. like you. What a prick. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so I was kind of like, okay, yeah, he's in it, but he's not in it. He's not a character. He's got like four lines. Um, That Diva's this tall blue alien. At the show, she's singing this wonderful opera, which turns into this brilliant kind of hip-hop dance kind of thing. It's great. And the next scene, very much like, as you said, Gadget, with um, with, with the one in Corbin's room, is is like that. Everything's, Everything's kind of going to... on to this, yeah, and it works really well. Like the well, fight. I, I I have I have four off the belt facts for you. Ooh. So one, the opera scene was filmed at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden. Hey, I'll stretch that one off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seats two thousand two hundred fifty six people. It's the third largest auditorium of its type in London, and it's a Grade One listed building. Nice. Well, the auditorium itself is the the, the, the entrance where burned down. And they had to rebuild it. So that's modern. But the auditorium itself survived. Uh, and cool. apparently, John Lugote had to inspect 500 dresses for other works because he was the costume designer. So he, he had was, to go around yeah. every single one of those. Just another one that just popped in. I don't know why I didn't say it earlier on, but uh, Jim, uh, John Reno was originally uh, pegged to play Corbin Dallas. I think I, I made the right choice going with Bruce Willis. Yes, so, so do I. As much as I really, really like John Reno. Uh, his American accent in um, Godzilla isn't good. When he does <laughs> no, that, he does watch a lot of Elvis movies. Uh- <laughs> so uh, next up, the the diva, the Plava Laguna, is, she is coloured Marianne Blue, which is a colour um, in Catholic iconography. Oh. All representations of the Virgin Mary feature that particular shade of blue on a clothing, and it's meant to symbolise purity and virginity. Oh, right. Wow. Um, and then, uh, now we're getting to the technical musician bit here for the last two. So the song, the Plava Laguna song, was sung by the singer uh, Inva Muller, who is an internationally renowned tenor. Um, but it was physically impossible to sing. A human yeah. voice can't make those jumps. Yeah. Um, so uh, the way it was recorded, she recorded the opening bit where it's just her singing normally like an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And then the bit where it kicks off into the dance song, she sampled each individual note and they were all sequenced together in order. Wow. So she could hit all the notes, but she couldn't make the transitions from the really yeah. low to the really high super quickly. So she's playing all the notes, just not necessarily not in the right order. order. Yeah. Um, and I added this, the last fact related to this, the average human voice has a range of three and a half octaves, which is about 40 notes. Okay. Uh, so about as wide as like a small keyboard. Um, but the widest range of widest vocal range of any human is held by the American singer Tim Storms, and his range is from G over G sharp minus five to G over G sharp five, which is a range of ten octaves, and he holds the record for being the lowest and highest male singer currently living. Wow, that's that's wow. a range. <laughs> but ten, I haven't got the so, range, so, darling. So, so, so for for example, ten octaves is the width of a grand piano. The entire keyboard on a grand piano wow. is his range. That's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. So there you go. Some, some musical facts for you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, as the show's going on, the mutant dog aliens are rifling through Corbin and Lilu's room. Lilu spots them and is doing this fantastic kung fu kicking thing uh, yeah. in time to the music. She couldn't do the high kicks, though. Uh, they had to uh, use a prosthetic for the high kicks. It's not her leg doing the highest kicks. Oh, what? Yeah, she just couldn't nail it, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, unlike uh, uh, Luke Besson, who was nailing her. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, 
Zod turns up and thanks Lilu for taking out all the aliens. She escapes through this vent. So, of course, he shoots all the way through um, and the aliens storm the show and, and shoot the diva. Um, Zog sets this... I keep calling him Zog, but it's Zerg, isn't it? Zerg? Zerg. 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 I don't know. It's, uh, I've said it that many times. It has no meaning. Uh, uh, sets this 20-minute bomb timer and retreats with the stones in a crate, or at least he thinks so. Um, the diva dies in Corbin's arms, explaining, the stones are in me. And you're kind of like, is this... Are the stones actually in her, uh, or is this metaphorical? Uh, it's behind <laughs> yeah. a spiritual man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Corbin gets basically gets up to his elbow, delving in delete, and pulls the stones out of. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. She blew herself, indeed. And this um, this this entire action scene from this point on, for basically the point where he hands Ruby Rod the gun to yeah. the end of the action scene, is also by Chris Tucker. He is fucking excellent from yeah. start to finish. This uh, whole sequence. Is- Brilliant! Oh, this I the loved all this screaming. Screaming when something happens. Yeah, the, tapers the, the, off. The, the, yeah, the, the, the panic. He's holding the gun over this over this Mangalore's head. I said, like, "Call my man! Call my man! I don't know what to do! I don't know what to do!" And he's like, "Just relax, just relax." But, but what if I kill him? What if I kill him? And then it's just like, he's just shooting, he kills him. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay?" And he's like, kind of touching at the brain. Just push the brains back in. It is brilliant. Um, there's a running gun battle with them, and they turn up with this huge, basically this huge platform gun. Um, there's a brilliant bit when he gets discovered. Corbin jumps on what is basically a seesaw, and one of the aliens uh, goes up through the ceiling to where yep. Ruby is, and Ruby's hitting him to get him to go back to the ceiling. <laughs> but all the all the while, obviously, this creature can't see what he's shooting at, and he's shooting, shooting everything, uh, but- everything, killing all of his own men. It's really good. Um, and then they blow up the aliens and escape under this this poker table, basically, don't they? Pool yeah. table. Oh, it's a pool table. Yes, indeed. Uh, Realising he doesn't have the stones, um, he re- returns back to the ship. Uh, there's this great bit where uh, Dallas is checking out how many of them are shooting them re- around this corner. And Lee, Lee Evans says, um, uh, we're sending someone in to negotiate. Uh, and Again, Corbett the yeah, we'll, we'll look. The the leader's the one. Once we get rid of the leader, uh, and this is where they say the name of the creatures, isn't it? Yeah, the, the Mangalores. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, you know, once we kill the leader, um, the others, you know, they they they, they won't fight for it, for anybody. Uh, and he, he turns around and he shoots the leader in the head. Uh, anyone else want to negotiate? Is a great line. Uh, you also get this consistently how much more pissed off the president looks the longer this all goes on. Uh, and like he's really sweating. sweating. His eyes, are, his eyes yeah. are kind of, he's gone a bit boss eyed and he's just like, I wonder. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, there's, they had to save Lilu and Ruby spots the bomb countdown and he's saying, There can't be a bomb. Don't tell me there's a bomb because if there was a bomb, there would be an alarm. They would evacuate us, and that's when the alarm goes off. And it's great, yeah. Yeah. great time. All these life rafts shooting off um, out into space. I have a child. Uh, um, yeah. I like the way all these beacons just pop up for the floor. It was quite cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be some kind of health hazard when you're evacuating the uh, ship. You're running. You've got, and you've got a lot of lights in the middle of the floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The, it's it's like space balls. I expected one of the life rafts to be full of a bear and a yeah. juggler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, not the case. Um, Dallas and the rest of them escape on... It's Zorg ship. On Zorg ship. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, and he stops the bomb with five seconds to go. But one of the aliens who isn't quite dead have a bit of kit and the bomb blows up, destroying the ship just as Corbin rides them kind of out of safety. And the line, it's a really rubbish kind of like final action line is, that's not like driving a cab. 
so the president and his team are celebrating that the great evil spreading across the universe is only two hours away from Earth, but that's okay because so are Corbin, Lilu. Mm-hmm. Um, as they travel, Lilu's watching the history on Earth, which basically overwhelms her so much, she passes out. It's kind of understandable. Yeah. Um, on Earth, they get to the temple. Uh, they they lay Lilu in the middle and put the stones on the pillars around her as the evils basically speeding towards Earth. Um, discover discover they've got to infuse the stones with the specific elements. So one of them blows on one. They dust some earth on it. Um, and 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 oh, uh, he, he rings out his. He rings out his sweat. Oh, it's minging. And then the final one, they've got one match. And they drop the match on. And that's You would think 300 years in the future they'd have lighters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but this but this is the whole this is the whole thing because he says, I haven't got my lighter because I've given up smoking. Mm. Is what like like Ruby Rod specifically asks for a match. He doesn't ask for a lighter. Yeah, I all right, all right, okay, yeah, good, good point, fair point. We haven't um, seen anybody use a lighter; they've all used matches. That's very true. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Um, just for this, obviously, for this specific bit. So now I, I've got mixed up on my on my notes here, so you might have to help me out, lads. He explains to Lilu that he loves her, but he needs her to do what she's going to do. Have I missed anything there? Because I feel like I've missed something there. It's just No, it's, it's again, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly underwritten bit. It's like yeah. the, the kind of relationship hasn't really developed in any way that loves. It's more his infatuation with her. Right. Yeah. Okay. More, more than anything. Yeah. Um, um, so she, the stones hit her and it causes this huge elemental blast to destroy the evil just before it hits Earth. I think something like 70 kilometers away from Earth, uh, which is very convenient. Uh, and then the final scene is back at the sequencing lab. President wants to meet the heroes, but that's not possible because they're shagging. They're uh, shagging. Yeah. Uh, uh, Corbin's mother rings. She's got the number for the president for some reason. Oh, she's no. like, Mrs. Dallas, this is the president. And she's like, you're not the president because the president's an idiot and you don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a kind of a Which, funny... Uh, it's a backhanded compliment, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess so, yeah. Uh, and that, of course, is the movie. Gadget, as our guest, do you want to go first? Have you got anything left? Yeah, I have one fact left, which is related to the um, precisely the stones and this kind of the the, the elements themselves. Yep. So uh, I, I found this from LearnReligions.com, and it's based in kind of in in uh, Wicca. So um, the it's not established which direction that they're facing at any given time, but the the four elements earth, wind, uh, uh, sorry, earth, air, fire, and water yep. uh, are connected to points on the compass. So Earth is north. Um, and according to this, the Earth is considered the ultimate feminine element. It's fertile oh. and stable and associated with the goddess. Air is the element of the east, connected to the soul and the breath of life. Fire is purifying masculine energy associated with south and connected with um, strong will and energy, as fire both creates and destroys. Uh, and water is the feminine energy and highly connected with the aspects of the goddess and used for the west. Uh, but it does also say here, uh, in s- some modern pagan traditions, there is a fifth element, that of spirit, also called Akasha or Ether, spelt with an A at the beginning. Um, spirit is a bridge between the physical and the spiritual. Okay. So some people already do believe in a fifth element without having Luc Besson write about it. <laughs> Fair enough. John? Uh, okay, the... I'm going to go back. So Luke Besson directed La Femme Nikita in 1990. We all know that, right? What do you know the American version as? Because when I watched it, the sort of 
uh, is it Bridget Fonda that's in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it, it was called Assassin. Yeah, Did I was going to say it was called it was called Assassin, but it's also Nikita. I think yeah, it's also one Nikita. Point it was called Nikita. But, but now it's called Point of No, no Return. What? Yeah. So see when I looked up on IMDb, it yeah. didn't show me. It didn't show me that. It just showed me this point of no return. Apparently, it did that badly that they decided to change the name of it. What Which the American one? Uh, yeah, but I, I thought it was that. a massive hit. So did I? I loved it. Wow. One of my faves. I know, crazy. Uh, right, okay, so looking at it, it, says it was released on DVD in Superbit. Has anybody heard of this? Nope. Right, nope. So it was. It was basically to to increase the standard of DVDs. Right, uh, by increasing the encoding video rate or bit rate, it didn't take off. I think it was one of Sony's things that just didn't go. Oh, I remember they did that with audio CDs. It was like um, like HD CD or something. I like remember that. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember. Y- y- you had to buy like a four hundred quid separate unit, and the CDs themselves were like only chart charting CDs, and they were like twenty five quid each. Uh, yeah. And it was yeah, supposed yeah. to be a higher bit rate than dot wav, and they were, and like I remember hearing one once. I was like, I can't hear the difference. And like I'm an audiophile, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, give me a record, give me vinyl any day, give me vinyl. Yeah, but like any CD day. quality is like the most pristine quality you can get in digital. Like, you don't yeah. need anything high. You don't need any. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, uh, the UK currently only has two sleepers trains. So looking at obviously them going to sleep on the yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the ship. So the sleeper trains uh, are the Caledonia sleeper that goes between London and Scotland, mm-hmm. and the other one is the Night Riviera between London and Cornwall. All right. The, the only I've, done, I've done the Caledonian sleeper. It's uh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a nightmare to sleep on. I uh, did that with uh, patron Ian McComish. All right, okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to do it, actually. Yeah. Uh, so looking at wars as well, so from the, on the subject of war, there are currently at least 27 live conflicts right now. And according to Wikipedia, so we'll not put this as a fact, according to Wikipedia, there's been about 10,620 four battles in the history of mankind which I think there's probably been a lot lot more but hey yeah, so. okay. that's me, I'm out uh, lovely stuff, uh, should you want a transport for London how about them Emmas this week ah crap, yeah, cab licence it will cost you £52 for the DBS disclosure application, licence application fee non-refundable of £120 grant of licence fee £180 knowledge of London written examination £200 uh, knowledge of London appearance, £400. DSA Hackney carriage driving test, uh, £92.94. Um, post office check and send, £7.15. And medical assessment, £80. In total, £1,186.09p. Very expensive. Yeah. Possibly worth it. Who knows? Uh, 351 people die on average as a result of choking in the UK every year. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, Need to get a robot for that. Absolutely. Or, or a Heimlich hammer. Um, <laughs> we'll just keep oh, a priest around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Besson started writing the screenplay when he was 16 and did not reach the screen until he was 38 and a dirty pervert. I mean, I think he was probably a pervert when he was 16 as well. But, you know. Yeah, probably so. Just um, in, yeah. The uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier's costumes were for 900 actors and extras. One costume included a $5,000 jacket. And in, in, in terms of the costume as well, or rather the makeup, uh, the, in the action scene in, um, in Flost and Paradise, mm-hmm. all but five of the Mangalores are wearing goggles. 
because it was cheaper to put the masks on them without doing the eye makeup that would yeah. like make it look realistic and link into the oh, actor's skin. Right. So they put yeah. goggles on it so it can just be a mask over the top. It's only the ones that are seen talking that you see their eyes. Right. Because they look like sunbathed glasses, don't they? They do, there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lads, that's everything I've got. Uh, how many gadget as the guest? Do you want to have a guess how many we've got while I top them up? Uh, I don't think we got 100. I think probably mid-80s, 85-ish, I think. Okay, John? 102.5. Clyde <laughs> 1 FM. <laughs> okay. Uh, ca- can you go higher than what John said, Gadget? Mm. 102.5. <laughs> yeah, let's go 105. Go, no, I'll, I'll, go I'll, I'll put a bit of distance okay. in there. John, one more guess. Higher. 110. Uh, oh. 110. <laughs> 110. Jesus. Gentlemen, 124. Oh, well I think that might be more than Stig. I don't think I've got it written here. As we are looking at it, I will let you know. Hang it, it I think it's more close. Than Stig. Yeah, for Stig, we got no 107. So Stig was the week before. Stig, we got. I don't know. Fuck knows. We, uh, you two can fight it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway, oh, I need to know if I've got more than him. <laughs> I'll let you know at some point. Gadget, thanks very much for joining us. I know you've got somewhere to be, so we'll let you go. But before you do, one last yep. plug of your fantastic podcasts. Yes, come over, come over and check out Modern Escapism. We're about to record our 100th episode. Um, we've been doing this for about two years now. General nerd culture, films, TV, games, all that kind of thing. Books, music. Um, and there's also the Dragon Streamer Score Cheap, which is our D&D podcast, which everyone from Modern Escapism is involved with, but we just change the rules around and I host it and I write it and we all do silly, funny voices and I try to kill them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I also ha- I also happen to have the campus character in the world with them where, um, when, and I torment Stig with him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because all of him talks one. like this and he's very, very gap. <laughs> um, so yeah, c- come and check out once. But if you go to modernescapism.co.uk, you can get all the details. Uh, Patreon merch store, all that kind of thing. We've got YouTube channels. We do video. We do the podcast as videos now as well. So if you want to see our smiling face as well, we're talking utter unabashed bullshit to each other. Make sure you come and have a look. They have a fantastic, fantastic Patreon episode every month as well. Uh, yeah. Get involved in that. I am absolutely delighted to be giving them the, uh, them our money. Uh, I'm delighted just- to give you my money. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Yeah. So uh yeah, which which brings us on to the patrons. But before so Gadget, once again, thanks, mate. Thanks for yeah, joining thanks, us. Mate. Yeah, it's been right. good, good, boys. Choice. good choice. All the best. So to our fantastic patrons, thank you so much for your continued support. Next week we're gonna have your choice. So uh by the time you uh listen to this it will have been picked but at the moment it has not uh right shouting them out nigel davis who owns the wonder emporium nigel's still sick so nigel get well soon mate we do worry about you can't wait to uh, mm-hmm. play games with you again uh, accessories for tabletop mini games uh search wonder emporium on facebook uh everything tabletop it'll sell good deals mention the podcast to get something a bit extra um Right, uh, Gavin McGill, Ian McComish, Saz, Phil and Rachel uh, are the non-podcast patrons. Nothing to advertise, but I'm getting them all on an episode at some point in the future. Fingers crossed. Yep, 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 yep. Paul and Sophie, SP Film Viewers. Uh, We did Robocop with them, Johnny. No, we did. I think that's one of our favourite guest episodes. 
Uh, so that, was, that was right up there. So much fun. They didn't enjoy the film as much as we did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it turns out that they bought this podcast for a dollar. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, again, Paul, I am working on getting in touch with you about getting you on the Patreon. Um, right. Dan Belson, Gavin Belson, you said something lovely about them uh, last week. Say something more lovely about them. The guys just, every time I think about them, I just get a warm, fuzzy glow. It's like, it's like eating ready break. <laughs> you, hang on, you're eating Gav's ready break. Orange. Uh, uh, okay, got you. Uh, Aaron Z1 podcast, fantastic audio drama about zombies. I love those guys. They've kind of they've been on holiday the last kind of week, so there's not been a lot of Aaron on Twitter, and I've missed him. Uh, Joe Hallmark of greatness. Um, weird thing about that. Damn it, Vince podcast. Uh, as Gadget mentioned Hallmark of Greatness every two weeks. Uh, we talked about Terra Circus, which is fucking awful. It is, not, it is terrible, <laughs> but it does not have any circuses in it. Uh, Mono from Mono Rants, uh, the boys. He's now talking about films. I think they've had a break this week, but they're going to be back next week with more films. And they uh, keep we, we keep organising to do some other uh, other. Other things. Uh, Biggie and Stig from Modern Escapism. Uh, Gadget, of course. I don't need to tell you any more about those guys. Ian from Cult Connections Podcast. Uh, it's taken a little week for me to get this all sorted, but he's going to be the patron guest this week talking about 70s uh, scary uh, getting kids away from canals and strangers and uh, all those kind of things. That's a great episode. We had a lot of fun talking about that. And finally, uh, Josh Wilson uh, from the Super Familiar with the Wilsons uh, Couple Therapy Podcast, as I call it. Really nice guy, <laughs> terrible impressions, but just kind, yeah. love, wonderful human being. Do you know what, guys? We we absolutely adore the lot of you. You're so kind giving us. I know it's only a pound, but I know times are tough at the minute. You're so kind doing that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and some totally. of you have even upped it and are doing more, and that's great. Uh, the oh, the one more that, that that is a patron is Punk from What the Fuck Do You Want? I was on What the Fuck Do You Want this week, telling people how to become an expert podcaster, sharing all of my skills on how to wow. make money as a podcaster. Jesus, it is t- it is tongue in cheek. If you know nah, Punk, it's not it's not a re- <laughs> it's not really it's tongue in cheek, and it's us just fucking getting at podcast other podcasters and people that pretend to be podcasters. Uh, so yeah, uh, that that's us. That's that's the patron thing. We're going to keep it going. We've got more patron stuff coming next week. We've got loads of episodes. We've got an interview with a, a wonderful, um, wonderful uh, fil- filmmaker writer, uh, Andy McEwen, uh, who I'm going to drop that live in a couple of weeks' time. And there's loads more stuff coming, including noodles from Modern Escapism. So that's all going to be coming in the next few weeks. Yep. Oh, John, what do you want to say to the lovely people before we can? Hey, lovely people. It's been a pleasure. I hope you liked this one. I thought I didn't think for a, in a million years we'd get 100, anywhere near 100. Nah. That, so I'm, I'm quite happy with that. So I hope you guys are happy listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week for another one of these. But until then, it's been 124 things we learned from Luke Besson being a fucking pervy arsehole. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> See you guys.